Welcome back to the Film Hole Podcast. I'm your co-host, Trevor. And I am your main host, Raul. I'm a filmmaker. And I'm a published scientist. Big dick swing this week. Every week we watch a movie. And then we sit down together and talk about it. And this week we watched... 2018's Lady Bird? 17, I think. 17? But the debut film of Greta Gerwig. And this is part two of the, uh, we kind of did like a two episode arc. Last week we screened Greenberg, which is directed by Greta's partner, Noam Baumbach, also starring Greta Gerwig. Greta's lover. Greta's Don't lover. Mm-hmm. Don't be disgusting, dude. <laughs> I just love that like interview. Lover sounds so weird. It does. What do you think of this movie? I love this movie. I, I can't remember whose idea it was to put this movie down. I don't know. I well, I think it's like it kind of arose as um, we were gonna do a Noah Baumbach Greta Gerwig thing, and like Greta Gerwig has like just a couple movies to pick from. That is true. Yeah. And this one kind of seemed like the safe choice. I don't really know why we chose this one over Little Women. You know. I think. Well, is Little Women even available? Would it be available yeah. to us to watch? Yeah. Because you haven't mm-hmm. seen that one yet. Mm-mm. That's good. I, I think it's good that you see this one and then Little Lynn, just to give you a little bit more yeah. context into her directing style. I've seen Lady Bird before, so it was nice to get kind of a double dose of that. Oh, nice, nice. I have also seen it um, once before. Cool. Yeah. I think you'll enjoy Little Women. I, I saw it in theaters, and I actually didn't realize uh, that it was a movie by Greta Gerwig. Oh, really? It was like a Stacy-initiated movie night. We have this uh-huh. movie theater that's like a three-minute drive from my house that is like amazing so when didn't is that the one you took us to yeah to go see sonic yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we did see sonic <laughs> um but it's like so cheap like tickets are like eight dollars or something for students on certain nights and so yeah. close by that we used to just go every single week mm. and that's when i caught this movie didn't realize it was greta gerwig never knew that it was about little women i actually never knew what little women was never read mm-hmm. it or was exposed to it so the movie was very confusing to me so for... you didn't see like the one in the 90s no with, like christian bale and winona Ryder. no i did not see that yeah me yeah. neither so i was super confused they did like a lot of like uh going back and forth between time which i did not catch on at all okay i'm like these are weird scenes that's interesting because it's we were just had a long discussion yesterday about how ladybird and like greenberg uh, are very linear stories mm-hmm. like no like typical hollywood storytelling and just based on what you just said it sounds like there's a little bit of that in little women oh yeah a lot i mean it's kind of okay. like uh maybe the book is this way but the narrative just weaves like almost 50 50 between the two different time periods that the movie takes place in like they're young and when they're older mm-hmm. okay do you want to give a quick synopsis for ladybird yeah so uh ladybird places us in early 2000s northern california post 9-11 in the sacramento area of california mm-hmm. the titular character the self-titled ladybird is a high schooler that lives in sacramento she is very not unlike juno i think and her how strong her personality is and how individualistic she is yeah i'd agree with that yeah, but I mean, without giving too much away, it's a it's a story about her life in her last year of high school before she goes off to college. And there's some tension about, you know, where her aspirations are at, 
where she wants to be in life and that frequently collide with her her parents in particular her mother Mm -hmm. and and some other shenanigans that happen along the way (laughs) man we just kind of lose it like halfway through these synopses or just like in some other things happen yeah but you're right it does follow her last year of high school kind of her interactions with other people like in her school both teachers and fellow students a lot of over uh, interactions with her family just like the difficulty of growing up i think in the environment that it uh that it shows you pretty early on mm-hmm. which we should say is greta gerwig's actual hometown of sacramento california. sacramento california yeah so it's somewhat autobiographical mm-hmm. and i only really now caught on to that watching it this time because i was kind of doing the math in my head for <laughs> for all just knocked the mic with a beer bottle cheers <laughs> uh but i was doing the math that like oh based on how old greta gerwig is like she would have been in high school around when this movie takes place and that and is so the case it, right yeah i think that i think that all adds up yeah speaking of time i think it's really interesting how this movie really subtly messes with kind of the post 9-11 um anxiety that people had it, it does it's not like super overt there's just like a couple like lines that address it where it's like ladybird's whole thing is that she wants to go to school in uh in the east coast or on the east coast and uh or at least connecticut her, or something yeah and one of her friends is like well what about terrorism or something like that <laughs> <laughs> and that's it and i love her response to that she's just like don't be a republican <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like it's it's nice the way that it kind of portrays 9-11. They aren't talking about it excessively, which I think is like the way that people deal with it in real life. In Sacramento, it's something that happened very far away, uh-huh. like a year ago or something. Yeah, I think this takes place in 2002. Yeah, okay, um, so maybe like even less than a year mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie. But it's not something that like on a day-to-day basis is, you know, the central point of your day-to-day life but it is something that like bleeds into the basically your environment i mean there's plenty of shots of them watching the news yeah iraq invasion and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so it's cool it just kind of sets it's like a little time piece or period piece where the surrounding reflects where they were at the time super subtle which i love and there's like another line where you know she's like her mom's mad at her and she's giving her the silent treatment um and she's like i know that people aren't applying to the east coast because of terrorism and stuff but please talk to me it's just like those are the only two line only two times that 9-11 really comes up but yeah any other what else you got trevor (laughs) i don't know man uh i got all my like creative juices flowing out yesterday when we were talking about this oh yeah we had a bomb discussion last night this movie also stars uh timothy chalamet i think is that's how you say his name Uh uh-huh He's like Hollywood's like hot skinny boy right now. He's going to be huge, dude. When Dune comes out later this year or, or whenever, he's going to be popping. Yeah. Like nobody's business. Yeah. He really like, he rose to the top pretty fast. The first time I saw him was in this movie called uh, Beautiful Boy. I saw that. With uh, Steve Carell. Yeah. He plays like a heroin addict. He plays such a good drug addict. He kind of looks like a drug addict. Just like really bony in the face. Mm-hmm. Method actor. That's what people like, though. Like, that's what's hot right now. Right now? Yeah, I think. 
like the super like bony i'm just imagining <laughs> this like teen vogue magazine cover and it's got like him and like the headline is just like meth <laughs> it's meth. what's hot this year <laughs> meth weekly i kind of associate like that body type with uh like maybe farther back in time where that was like really the end thing like i think of like the in the time period of this movie a lot of the really popular music was stuff like uh emo rock and stuff like that uh-huh. and every front of an emo rock band was like a very thin white guy with styled hair yeah i think that that's that still holds true in some ways but yeah i'm thinking about some bands just kind of the lanky Lanky. the lanky dude with uh really floppy hair Mm -hmm. i think that still holds up today though people are just into that what else you got man um i don't know i mean we can we can get into um i think we should just like dive into just broader themes of the movie because it's not like this is a super interesting movie in any uh, like the the literal movie we watch is not amazingly interesting but i think just like a lot of the themes that it touches on are worth sure. discussion yeah like even last night our discussion like basically revolved primarily around how people could empathize with the characters uh-huh in particular ladybird it mirrored our juno discussion i think in a lot of ways it did a lot i think our podcast is kind of like found its niche in nostalgia generally speaking i think it might be the theme of the film hole yeah that's possible i think that there's like an office quote that says like dwight said that like nostalgia is among like humans like greatest weaknesses or something (laughs) like that in the eyeballs (laughs) or something like that (laughs) it's a very dwight thing to say yeah i didn't realize the the redheaded actor in this is also from honey boy you see that honey boy i haven't seen that it's my it's on my watch list it's so good dude really yeah it's amazing watch it as soon as you can i will i will but it's it's weird because the redhead guy like plays the autobiographical version of shia labeouf and he just like looks nothing like shia labeouf oh really yeah they're the same character in that movie yeah (laughs) shia labeouf like the actual dude plays his dad in that movie and this like redhead kid plays shia labeouf oh sorry i misunderstood i didn't even know that was a movie about shia labeouf's childhood yep i didn't realize that was autobiographical yeah i'm I'm sure with like some creative liberties but yeah that's the idea redheaded guy is also in manchester by the sea which is like one of my favorite movies that came out a couple of years ago cool watch it i will watch it yeah i think the way that we relate to characters in this movie is pretty important like i wasn't in high school in like 2002 but like there's a lot of like kind of high school themes uh that i relate to just the dynamic of like the weirdos and like the popular people and analyzing people i never went to like catholic school which is what these people go to yeah we basically went to catholic school we grew up in a super religious town yeah catholic town catholic town big catholic (laughs) church at the center (laughs) of the town the middle school has like a cross on the front it does yeah i didn't know that just because it's like an old building it's like high up it's like a big building okay but yeah, I remember like anyone who lived in town, because didn't you live in like Olathe or something? Mm, I lived out of town. Yeah. Yeah. In the country. But you didn't live like within the bounds of Spearville. Mm-mm. But everyone who did, like they all had like the same schedule. Like they all like went to church together. 
they all went to like the same like Catholic stuff during the week. Because mm-hmm. Aaron was like part of that, and it's just something I didn't relate to. But they they're heavy Catholic influence. Uh huh. I did those too. Like I don't know what they were called, but it was just like a weekly meetup where like everybody in your class just went. And I cannot for the life of me remember what we did. I think that like the name of the meeting was just called, if I'm remembering what people told me, it was just called religion. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's you're like right. we're we're gonna go to religion this week. Yeah, yeah. I'm like that sounds so funny. That is funny. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah. Back to the topic at hand. This movie definitely has a lot to do with growing up, and mm-hmm. the one thing that really stands out to me is I remember f- at that age feeling very anxious about making the jump between high school and college. Because mm-hmm. for a lot of young people, that is like one of the biggest transitions of their young life, going from like adult supervision to no adult supervision. Mm-hmm. I remember watching a movie like the summer before I went to KU. Have you ever heard of Into the Wild? Yes, but yeah. I don't. I can't think of what it is. It's it's a great movie where like the main character after gra- I think he graduated college in that one, but he graduated college and then he just went like full like I don't want to participate in this society. I don't want to participate in this economy anymore, and okay. goes to like Alaska, just like hitchhikes to Alaska, throws away all his money, and then just like lives in the wilderness, and then dies at the end. But. <laughs> The whole movie is about like this really spiritual journey of like throwing away the shackles of responsibility and society. Uh He was like a really gifted kid and his parents had a lot of expectations of him. He just like threw that all away. And I remember like watching that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Alaska. (laughs) And then he dies. And then he dies. The moral of the story, kids, you just can't do that. You can't do it. You got to have society to live, I guess. Stay within your lane. I would say the central theme of this movie is about the mother-daughter relationship between Lady Bird and her mom. Mm-hmm. What's what's the character's name of her mom? Of the mother? I'm not sure. Marion is her... Or wait a second. Is that right? Yeah. Marion is her mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. We have a guest this week who just popped in. Uh, welcome to the film hole, Grace Fawcett. Insert eric andre clap (laughs) hello Um, i will be the person who has to insert that yep grace fawcett is our editor in chief of the film hole really she's Mm -hmm. just the editor i'm the only one yeah so i'm both like the intern and the editor in chief yeah promotion pending yeah on that she takes care of everything that doesn't involve just raul and i sitting here and bitching about movies so Really, she's the brains behind the whole podcast, and she's my girlfriend, so mm-hmm. bonus points for me. Yeah, so thanks for joining us, Grace. Of course. You, I think you were critical in getting this movie like through the watch queue, as I remember it. I was? Yeah. Was that not the case? I feel that way, too. You're a big fan in any case. I'm a huge fan of this movie. I love this movie. So if I am the reason we watched it, then I'm very happy for that, and also probably wasn't even intentional. All right. Can you want to set us up with like a little bit of your like history with this movie? Did you watch it when it came out? Have you yeah. been a Greta Gerwig fan beforehand? No, actually, I had no idea who Greta Gerwig was until she was directing Little Women, and I like connected the dots then. When I first watched Lady Bird, I, I mean, I took note of the director, but it wasn't something like a name that meant anything to me. 
Mm-hmm. But I first watched it when it first came out, and I saw it in theaters, and I was in my freshman year of college that year, and when it came out, it was like, it's a movie that meant a lot to me, and like I res- resonated a lot with me because of like the relationship that I'd had with my mother, and I think there's um, something about Lady Bird where she just like has very large dreams and thinks that anything is possible, and I think that... I mean, a lot of kids that age think that, but for me, that was very synonymous with like my high school experience as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very, it's great that you were able to watch the movie at probably the perfect age to watch that movie, just like straddling high school and college. Yeah. I think you probably got like the maximum impact that you could from this yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's like people Grace's age and then people uh, Greta Gerwig's age. And like, yeah, oh, nowhere in between. So Raul and I are kind of left out in the dark on this one. Uh-huh, you una- yeah. Are you unaffected by this movie? Not unaffected by it, but we're just like, in terms of the premium audience that you could possibly have for this movie, like we don't fit into either category. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can kind of like, when I watched it, it reminded me of a little bit of how I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And so it did serve that purpose, but I don't think it was something that like, hit me as viscerally as it could have yeah because it is such like that that story of like a young person wanting to like go out in the world and make something of themselves or like to experience more of the world it may be like one of the most common things that a young person can experience right it's Mm -hmm. like a very universal story yeah And, and so i think that it appeals to a lot of people in that way i i have a kind of a question about this movie that i want to pose where i think this movie kind of more so than Greenberg feels like a little more intentionally funny. I think Mm -hmm. maybe I even talked about this in our discussion last night. It feels like a little bit more like palatable to like a broader audience than something like Greenberg does. Like it certainly has all of the very realistic bullet points that Greenberg has as it relates to high school and being like someone who's about to go to college, like it feels very real for that reason, but it also is like super funny and mm-hmm. also like over the top in some scenes. I definitely think that's true. I went back and I looked up some Greenberg reviews on Amazon, which is mm-hmm. like where you get the unfiltered, like real people's <laughs> opinions on movies. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. a lot of one stars, disproportionate amount of people saying like this was a waste of an hour and a half never watch so boring <laughs> didn't get it and and this and, and you get the impression that uh lady bird is not a movie that will cause that reaction in sort yeah. of the more typical movie goer yeah it's got like enough like just enough like universally hollywood funny things in it that you could almost like not call it i think the, the video essay that you're talking about grace like calls it like a dramatic comedy mm-hmm. and it it kind of in some ways even feels like a larger movie even if you take the critical acclaim and like the awards out of the equation, it feels like kind of this bigger budget movie than uh, Greenberg was. Yeah. I have trouble like ascribing the word indie to Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, Greenberg is way quirkier. And I think quirky movies just get automatically assigned to indie. And so I think that's part of why it's associated in that way. I also think that like just production wise it feels like ladybird's palette was much more intentional 
Whereas like Greenberg, like I can't really think of any like strong colors that I remember from Greenberg. It seems much more uninspired in that way. Green. That's the palette. (laughs) It did have like a very dead color palette. Just (laughs) Just all the colors are off something. Yeah. Mm. It just, it's just like, there's no real intentionality behind it. Everyone's just like wearing whatever they're wearing. They're just in a kitchen that's like a normal kitchen none of it has like that artistic flair to it in the same way yeah mm-hmm. and i think that that like backs up what i was saying is that greenberg is just like it, it feels like you're just watching real people in real clothes in real places everything just feels kind of baseline normal and like ladybird feels more like a movie yeah, yeah that is true like thing like sets and like colors and camera angles are so much more rich in ladybird than in greenberg and so mm-hmm. Therefore, it I, I would al- almost go so far as to say that it detracts from the like the real meat of the movie. It certainly makes it like a more entertaining experience, but like the Greenberg experience is much more just like pure like human human experience and struggle, which is why mm-hmm. people don't like it, right? Because it's not a movie; it's just like people like struggling. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that any characters were more or less realistic than others? Because I actually think a lot of, like, the core cast was played really straight. Uh, But then, like, a lot of, like, the extra characters, a lot of the ones that served as, like, a... What is it called? Um, Comic relief. Yeah, comic reliefs were obviously a little bit more over the top. Yeah, like the, the, like, mean girl or the girl they don't get along with. Um, (laughs) Yeah. She's just like always ta- always tattling on them in that one specific voice. Yeah. That coach that Trevor likes so much, like he's <laughs> not real. Uh-huh. Yeah. The guy that she loses her virginity to is obviously like a guy I hope played way over the top. Yeah. I hope yeah. that's not a real guy. I think he's played over the top. I also like can suspend my disbelief of that because, I don't know, I've met some. Yeah, we know pe- that guy. <laughs> We've met some people with some weird ideas. That's true. Characters that feel very real to me, I think, among the top of that list is probably Marion, Ladybird's mom. Yeah. I relate to Ladybird's mom in like a lot of ways that some good and but mostly bad, I'd say. <laughs> Do you think her character comes off as like uh, unsympathetic or like bad in any way? I think if you take the the perspective of Ladybird which is like kind of the default position, right? That if you look at it from that position that, yeah, she does appear kind of mean and cold. At least you you could say like right up until the very end that that's how Ladybird perceives her mom. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's easy to emulate those same feelings when you're watching the movie, especially the first time. Is that true, Grace? Do you take Ladybird's perspective as your own when you watch this movie? Yes. The first time, I definitely did. I think the second time watching it, it was more like, instead of relating directly to her, it was more like observing the relationship between the two rather than like placing myself in her shoes. Yeah. The thing that I relate most to about the mom is just that she's like a highly critical uh, character of the uh, her daughter, who's someone who's very close to her. And it's not done in this like cold-hearted, like mean-spirited way it's just you're seeing a result of someone who struggles to communicate i think because Mm -hmm. ultimately like marion's intentions are good 
Like she yeah. wants she wants the best for her daughter. And you could even argue that like, you know, last night we talked about how Miguel and the other girl, uh, his girlfriend, so Miguel is assumingly adopted and like the girlfriend is sort of like a pseudo adoption because she just lives with them now. And this is like Marion's like only daughter and probably feels the need to make sure that her life d- is not as screwed up as her own life is. Right. Right. And and she's smart. Like it's not I don't think at any point like Marion comes off as a dumb character. She's very smart. Mm-hmm. And so I think that all of her motivations are extremely well intentioned and I think that she just struggles to move past trying to infuse wisdom into her daughter and then also just kind of letting her daughter do her own thing. Right. And that's like a very div that's a very difficult like mature dance to master and i don't know if anybody can do it that well but yeah like that's just how i am that i am someone who tends to be a lot more critical of just other people but i don't i don't feel like i'm ever trying to be mean and i should say i'm critical of like just other people like in in my life in ways that i would hope that they get better but sometimes i it just comes off as me being mean i think i've gotten a lot better at it in the past like five years or so but like that's a personality trait that i relate to and i think some of it at least for this character has a lot to do with like how tired she's supposed to be and like how much she puts in like she's doing double shifts at the psych hospital so that she can send ladybird to the high school that she's sending her to and like save for college and whatnot and so i think that like the love that she has for her daughter has pushed her to work so hard that she's so tired that she like can't help but like nitpick at her daughter she snaps a lot yeah there's there's one scene in particular i think it's like after the husband loses his job and Mm -hmm. ladybird comes home late that she just marches into her room and starts picking a fight with ladybird yeah yeah and i think that was probably like the the moment in the film that you understand that she's also a flawed character Mm mm-hmm my take on her, I actually empathize with her right away because the very first scene in the movie is her daughter jumping out of a moving car. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and so kind of like the first thing that came to mind when I watched this movie, it's like, oh, geez, she really has her hands full. Yeah. yeah. I There's like a part in the, in the movie where Lady Bird gets into a fight with Miguel, assuming her adopted brother. And he's like, you're actually evil or something like that. You know, like what siblings say to each other. And her response is to just scream. She's just like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) And that reminds, I'm sure you guys have seen the the like meme. Sometimes it's like, it's labeled as like states. So I need to set this up. So it's like a screenshot from the movie, The Babadook. And it's this like woman driving her son around and the first panel of the meme is like her leaning in the back seat and being like, why can't you just be normal? And then it's like, it cuts to the back seat and it's the kid just like screaming and in like asterisks, it's like just as screaming. <laughs> and sometimes like the meme is labeled as like the mom is like the U S and like the kid is Florida. It's like uh-huh. the U S like, why can't you just be normal? <laughs> Florida screaming. And like, like that's what I thought of when I saw that, scene where she just like screams at Miguel where it's like why can't you just be normal Lady Bird just yelling and I get that I feel that tension like throughout the movie where she's just like against the grain of like basically everyone maybe minus the dad and her family 
Yeah. And there's that moment when it's the same scene that we're talking about, about how, like, as soon as Lady Bird gets home, she goes into the her room and starts picking a fight. But the dad, as she's saying, like, oh, I got to go scold Lady Bird about whatever. The dad's like, maybe just leave it. Maybe just don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Playing the peacekeeper. Yeah. It's this weird balance because I do think that if you listen to the argument, like what her mom is saying, like I get it on some level. I don't think it's inherently right, but I 100% can understand the motivations for her saying all that and also just being upset, like emotionally upset. Because like you talked about her being tired. She also just learned that her husband doesn't have a job they're already like struggling financially that's just like a lot and then like when your troublesome like daughter comes home and it's just like adding to the equation like yeah you want to like tackle that immediately but the mature thing to do in that situation is to take it in stride and try and like be a little bit more uh, empathetic with your daughter and so it's like I get why she's upset but I also would hope that if I were presented with the same situation that I would be a little bit more kind. Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting thing. Like a parent, no matter what they're facing in terms of like obstacles, like one of the biggest keys of parenting is like, how much do I try and correct like my child? Like how much do I try and correct them to like set them on the right path? And how much do I let them be their own person and do their own thing? And like, that's already a tough parenting thing to navigate and add stressful financial situation on top of that and it's impossible yeah i i should say like that that scene is the only one in the movie where the mother comes off as like overtly callous Mm -hmm. it's the scene like where they are facing like impending financial doom like i think that any person like whether they've ever experienced poverty or not would probably behave in the exact same way like in that situation Mm mm-hmm so yeah. I, I think that given their circumstances, were, which were like pretty desperate at that point, that her outburst seems, it's understandable. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is like her indirectly asking her daughter to like consider her feelings and consider the life that she's like taken on to benefit her daughter. And like as a teenager, you have like no concept of the fact that like other people yeah. can sacrifice for you. Like that's yeah. just not something you understand. Yeah. But I think the mom is like trying to get across that like I am so tired. I'm struggling so much and you're not like you're just stressing me out and the daughter's just like you hate me. Mhm. All that being said though, I mean, can't you just like go one day without folding your clothes, mom? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a strange comeback. Like the final words of that argument. It's like, don't you wish your mom, like, just didn't ask or didn't get upset when you didn't fold your clothes one time? And she's like, my mother was an abusive alcoholic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that to me was like, she, because, I don't know, I think that's a typical mindset of people in that generation where it's like, you, like, really don't have it bad because my parents, like, actually abused me. It was like a normal thing that like Mm -hmm. parents of that generation experience so like i think that's just like her retaliating and a very like okay well that still doesn't mean like your daughter still has feelings and it doesn't take away from that i would say i don't really think it's like a generational thing i think it's just like an age and circumstantial thing Mm. i think it's like yeah if you did grow up with like a much more 
severely bad childhood than like your current children i think that you would like this is speaking as someone who like doesn't have children at all so i'm speculating but (laughs) it's it seems to me like if you had like a really shitty childhood and even if it's marginal if you like very intentionally and evidently had a better life for your own kids that you would like hold that against them in some way yeah do you know what i'm saying yeah i think i get what you're saying like you sort of wish well it's like if if you and i'm not saying this is right i'm just saying that like this is how i understand the the mom's logic where if you had just like such a shitty upbringing where your mom was an abusive alcoholic and you were able to send your kid to like private school and provide a house and you weren't quote-unquote abusive and you were like the best version of like what you could be as a parent and like your kid like still went crazy you'd be like what the fuck man like i had this like really shitty childhood like why are like why are you acting out you know that's that's the position i empathize with Mm -hmm. i have no problem with like what the mom said like she's like i'm trying the best that i can here you're doing better than i than i was at my age Mm -hmm. so you know maybe less back talk yeah and i think in the same like on the same note it could make them feel like they're still not doing a good enough job like say you're doing literally everything you can for your child and your child is still like like struggling and acting out and like doesn't like you and you're like what else could i possibly like i'm doing literally everything i can and you are very ungrateful i know the line i think that like I like this discussion because the the actual I think Raleigh said callousness of the mom is pretty ambiguous like throughout depending on like your age and who you identify with but the line in which I think the mom is just being overtly like mean and evil and where I can't agree with anything that she's doing and it's when they are talking about uh, like what kind of colleges they can afford and She's mm-hmm. like, do you know how much we sacrifice? And Lady Bird is like, give me a number so I can like, <laughs> so I can pay you back. And like the final stamp on that argument, it's honestly kind of badass, like the comeback, but it's also just very cold. Like the mom is like, I highly doubt that you'll get a job that will afford you to be able to do that. I also <laughs> just don't think that's true. Yeah. It might not I be. I mean, you raise, you raise a child, it's expensive, but her mom did it, so like... Right, and she's like at the verge of poverty. So I'm pretty right. sure that Ladybird can scrounge up the money if she needed to over the next 70 years. Yeah. It's just like such an unnecessary thing to say one way or the it other. It was just mean. It, yeah, yeah, it's just very mean. But I get I, it. So, sometimes she acts really mean, but it's just it's like when they're upset and just fighting. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie, she has a similar line when Ladybird's talking about like, going to new york or vermont and her mom's Mm. just like you couldn't get into those schools anyway and then says something about how she should go to city college and then straight to jail (laughs) did she say jail (laughs) yeah she's like you're you you should just go to city college and and then straight to jail (laughs) savage like if my mom ever told me that i should just go to jail like i think that's when i would feel like a real failure like i think that would is a zinger of a line similar is when she's talking to uh the school counselor or whatever about college options and she is like you know other schools like harvard or yale and i know that maybe i couldn't get in and like the school counselor just laughs at her just like there's no way that you can get it and then she follows it up with like it's my job to keep your expectations realistic or something like that 
And re- regardless of that, regardless of her saying that it's that's her job, I'm like, what a terrible, inappropriate thing to do. To just, like, yeah. laugh at someone's, like, aspirations to go to Yale. Also, Lady Bird, like, didn't come out and say, like, I want to go to Yale. She, what did she say? She was like, um, I would like to go somewhere to, like, Yale, but of course I couldn't get in there. You know, uh-huh. Already kind of moderating herself. Yeah. yeah. And then she comes out with a laugh. Yeah. And scoff. Yeah. It's it's horrible. It's like the yeah. Especially as like a school like official, you know, not even yeah. someone she knows. It's like someone whose job is it's to be to be very supportive and unbiased, but also informative, and to like laugh at something like that is just. It's like I feel like it goes against everything you're supposed to be in that position. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, like, noting all of the negativity that Lady Bird receives, like, throughout the whole movie. Like, no one believes in her. No one at all. And she's still, in the back of her mind, is like, I'm going from Sacramento all the way across the country. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get into a college. I'm going to do, like, all the financial aid applications. Like, I will find a way. Um, yeah. And, like, that, to be that determined when ever, everyone in your life is like, no, like, you, you will never amount to that. It's like very brave of her. Props to her. I honestly didn't think it was gonna. She was gonna be able to do it. Yeah. I I was like surprised at the end when it actually worked out for her. She's mm-hmm. paying a lot in loans. <laughs> yeah. That's why financial aid, Dad. <laughs> yeah. I love that line. I. It's this weird thing that happens at the end of the movie where she definitely like made it to New York and did everything that she said she was going to do, but also just does it in really clumsy fashion. Yeah. Once she gets to New York, she immediately goes out to a party and gets too drunk and has to go to the emergency room because no one knows what to do with her. Mm-hmm. Just immediately, there. immediately falls on her face. I wasn't going to... We should open up this up to more discussion. Just what do we what do we think about the ending and the film arc as a whole i really quickly want to call out you though since you brought it up when you said that you've been there i've definitely had to been there i had to take november 1st 2016 do you actually remember the date well it's my birthday oh that's when it happened it was your birthday (laughs) yeah oh okay wow i was like that's incredible that you remember that but that makes sense (laughs) i it was a weird situation for me because uh, you're, I don't know if I ever told you the full story, but like, I was just like at home, like hanging out and in retrospect, I'm like sad that I wasn't just like chilling with you on your birthday. I think it was when I was just a lot more adverse to, uh, partying and drinking just cause uh-huh. of like the whole Christian thing going on at that point in my life. But, uh, your engineering buddies just like called me. I think it was Ibrahim actually that called you. I think it was a different guy, uh, the rapper friend that you had. Oh, was it? Yeah. What's his name? Kunal. Kunal. That's right. He called me and he was like, uh, man, you got to come get Raul. And I'm like, oh, is everything okay? And he's like, oh, man, he's in bad shape. And I'm like, okay, where are you at? And he told me and I, I went there. And then like him and I assume like Ibrahim or someone else just like had Raul's like carcass like kind of like pr- propped up in the middle of downtown and I had to open my door like put my flashers on and like just open my door and like they kind of loaded his body in there and they were just like okay bye <laughs> like they didn't give me any information so I 
I was in this position where like I don't know like what he's had like they didn't tell me anything and he was totally unresponsive so at that point at that point it was just like I gotta just defer to the safe option here (laughs) drop him off at the hospital can we talk a little bit about like the ending of the movie because I am uh, just genuinely confused as to how I should be feeling about the end of the movie and like what message is supposed to send across do you get the feeling that Lady Bird is doing good by the end of the movie that she's on a good track or do you think that she's like lost by the end of the movie was the move a good idea at all grace i'd like to hear your thoughts on this i have i have some thoughts but i'd like to hear you first i also i also have thoughts i think i love the end of the movie because for me i think the relationship that a mother and daughter have in when the daughter's in high school is a very particular relationship especially as it gets towards the end of high school and there's a lot more stress and like the daughter's feeling more independent than she ever has in her life. And so therefore like wants more space to grow. Like those few years are very specific years in a mother and daughter's relationship. And then I really like the way they ended the movie because Lady Bird calls her mom, leaves a voicemail and is saying basically thank you for like raising me. And they don't show the mom's response. They don't show the mom reciprocating in any way. And to me, that sort of signals that, like, the problem has not resolved. Like, you don't just get over, like, the struggles that you had in relationships with your parents, like, that immediately. It's sort of a dynamic that shifts and, like, the way you argue changes throughout the years. And so, to me, that's sort of what the movie was signaling by not having the mom say, like, oh, yeah, it's okay. It's, like, the problem's not ended because the problem that they will have in their relationship won't go away. It will just change into something else. Mm-hmm. It certainly is true that the ending felt like very unresolved. Yeah. Because we never get to hear back from the mother. I also like the end of the movie and what happens. I think that for for me, it represents like that period where I definitely had like a tense relationship with my parents, like while I lived with them in high school. It maybe didn't look exactly like what Ladybird. Uh, looked like but I definitely uh, didn't really like my uh, home life all the time and so when I went to college I was I felt like a lot more free but simultaneously like when there was a distance created between me and my home life I was able to appreciate it so much more Mm -hmm. because I wasn't dealing with the the day-to-day like bullshit and butting heads with my parents I was able to look at it with a lot a lot broader perspective Mm -hmm. and so i think that like her recalling her mom and just seeing that very like subtle switch flip in her attitude towards her mom is something that i that's like one of the few things that i can empathize with with ladybird where where it's just like once you like once you're gone like once there's distance between you and this thing that causes you what feels like a lot of pain you can see all of the good things about it and i think that that was an appropriately poetic way to end the movie yeah it's definitely like a truism that you hear thrown around that once your children uh leave the house that they become your friends again because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i mean we see this relationship shown so much time in movies that like the, the teenagers and the parents just don't get along for a lot of reasons mm-hmm. but it's also been my experience too that after you leave the house 
you get to have like a somewhat more normal relationship to your parents. Mm-hmm. There's something about having a, a teenage kid living in a house with their parents that just seems so unnatural. Yeah. And the, the kid doesn't like it and the parent doesn't like it. And you're just mm-hmm. like, why are we doing this? Yeah. But you have to. Which I is, hate my roommate. That's just like part <laughs> of the process. Yeah. And you mean, and you realize like in the end of the movie where like she does fucking fall on her face right yeah. at the end. So like there is a certain level of like, yeah, you do need to be sheltered by like an older human for a while. Like you're definitely going to make some mistakes, but like as much as we can minimize the amount of time you have outside the house, that's like the best way to go because you're going <laughs> to fail and you will only feel more catastrophically like the younger that you are. I think what's really interesting to me about the end of the movie is there's the scene where she discovers the letters, like the half written letters from her mom that her dad stuck in her suitcase. And after that is when you see her go to the party and get absolutely obliterated. Like it's not, she sees the letters and she immediately calls her mom. She like calls her dad and talks to her dad about the letters. And then she goes and gets super wasted, spends the night Mm. in the hospital, goes to a church and then is sort of like, okay, now, like now I'm ready. For what? Ready to like, try and understand the other person's perspective in this argument okay do you think it was because she fell so flatly that night that she realized that or 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 do you think that she fell so flatly because it was like a response to the letters i actually didn't give much thought to this that she might have like overdrank that night because she was going through some turmoil yeah about her mom's feelings and that 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 was just like in her mind the whole night I kind of felt that way. Okay, that makes sense. Like it's the letters cause the party and the church scene to happen. Mm-hmm. And then we're back to the subject of the mother-daughter relationship. Yeah. yeah. I think that less so the letters, but like the letters are definitely like kind of the inciting event. But I think it was more like when she was talking to that guy and she was asking if he believed in God. Oh, uh, yeah. And he was like, no, that's ridiculous. And she's like, oh, okay. Like people have used the names that uh, their parents give them, but they don't believe in God. Like, okay. And it's for me that that whole exchange represented the, her, her kind of just like realizing the mentality of her local family versus like what she thought was the promised land of wokeness. Like Uh she, I think Mm -hmm. that when she went to the East coast, she was expecting like, everybody's going to be on the same page with me and just like get me in a very universal way. And then when she brings up this one kind of small thing that is more related to where she's from and like her experience, people are like, that's ridiculous. Like won't even entertain the thoughts. So she's like, maybe I don't belong here as much as I think that I do regard. Like you take the whole relevance of religion or like what it means to her out of the equation. It's just like, this person is not jiving with me on these ideas in the way that I thought they would be. And like, mm-hmm. I feel a little to be clear though. She's religious though, is, or she is not religious, right? I don't think so. But I, so. but I think that because of where she's from, she has a certain amount of like respect for it just because like, that's her origin, right? She finds meaning in religion in some way, or like she finds uh, just meaning in, uh, like her what she's been taught or like what her family has like been a part of yeah you're definitely right that those two weren't driving at the party uh-huh. 
I, I'm th- these series of events. I'm more confused by. I'm not really sure how to roll back the the God conversation and the church thing in. I, I'm not sure if she found religion by the end of the movie mm-hmm. be- because she says to that guy like people will take the name their parents gave them, but they won't believe in God. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, presumably, you know, she said she she like disregarded her parents the name their parents gave her and i believe she's also not religious and then at the end she takes back her name and and that made me think that she also took back her religion yeah in a way i don't know if you think it's that clear i mean she went to the church i don't think it's that clear i don't think that religion for her represents religion as we normally think about it as like Uh a moral compass or you know believing in something greater than you i think it's just like that's just like part of her world and as a result she has a certain level of respect for it whether it's subconscious or not and i think to be face to face with someone who you kind of expect to just basically be you like just get you and they say like that's ridiculous and not even give that question the time of day is sort of a a juxtaposition that makes you rethink your origin and like appreciate it a little bit more yeah, I definitely think you're right that it doesn't, I don't think it's supposed to represent like literal religion or her her belief system, but I think it is represent home, like Sacramento, an area that's embedded in religion and that's the world that she grew up in. Yep. We should talk about funny scenes, but like the scene where like the guy like disses her CD collection. Oh, you have terrible taste yeah. in music. Yeah, it's all like, greatest hits. I'm like, what's wrong with that? They're, they're the greatest. greatest. <laughs> yeah, I love that line. <laughs> Yeah. Kids Bob 17. <laughs> wow, what a reference. Bookmark this for future funny scenes, but like when she calls out the anti-abortion person in the gym. Oh, oh yeah. my god. I want to talk about that. I'm like she's going to get the book and mm-hmm. then she did. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Get the book? What? Or uh what is what is it? When they throw the book at you? It's like a law term, the law book. Oh, okay. Grace, you said that you wanted to talk about, I think the character's name is Julie, who is uh, Mm -hmm. Lady Bird's best friend. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Start us off, Grace. Well, I think that character and of of herself is a very interesting character. Like, overall in the movie has a fairly minimal role because of the fact that Lady Bird sort of cuts her off. Yeah. But then, like, when Lady Bird finally decides to, like, go back and, like, be friends again... The girl is like very open armed. Like she's like, yep, be my friend again. Sounds good. Which is an interesting dynamic like between two characters when there's supposed to be strife. Like you would think they come back and it's some sort of like begging for her back. That's interesting. I kind of felt like the reason that they reconciled is because they both kind of like came to this breaking point of like being able to cope with their current emotional situations. So like... With uh, Julie, is that her name? Julie? Yeah, I think so. With Julie, it was like she didn't have her best friend and she was just hanging out with this like total dork, like the real like dork in the movie. She was so funny. Yeah. Having to like backtrack on like, you know, she's not hanging out with the person she really wants to hang out with and she didn't have a prom date. So like that all kind of accumulated to her just being very depressed and sad. And Lady Bird similarly just on the kind of the other side of the spectrum was hanging out with these super fake people 
that she thought were her friends but like that's right they didn't want to go to prom either and like they both were really upset by those situations and i think that that's when they realized that they could come back together but i didn't feel like it was like a very like julie was just waiting there with open arms i think they just kind of both realized that they were fr- were the yeah. most friends with each other it was necessary for ladybird to dump the other friend group because like that's what instigated the friend breakup in the first place Mm -hmm. i don't know if she like got to that or not if she explicitly told her best friend well i think it's implied because it's implied as she would know because it's why she there it it is the prom night and like yeah yeah. i think there's like a very like that has a really big significance in the movie because it's like they would have been going to this dance together because they've been shown going to other dances together and because Ladybird comes back to her on prom night of all nights, like that's why she's forgiven. Like, I had she come back any other night or like the di- a couple days after prom, I don't think it would have been received as well. Yeah, and the only slight really I think was um, abandoning abandoning her for the more popular kids, and mm-hmm. so showing up on that night is the repudiation of that, and it's like everything's back to normal. Mm-hmm. I think I, there's one line earlier on in their friendship, like when they have just gotten the results of the musical and her friend gets the lead role yeah. and Lady Bird gets like a very minor character. And Lady Bird's response is like, I, I deserve that one because I'm the one who actually prepared a song. And I'm, it's like, what? <laughs> like, you're mean. That's mean. <laughs> mm. You're being your mom to your friend. That's true. Mm-hmm. She did like put so much extra effort in though. I'll see later bird in that one. <laughs> you reminded me of something of a thing I want to talk about, which is I think the very subtle ways that Lady Bird actually emulates her mother and other scenes in very much in the thick of her like hating her mother where it's like, I'm nothing mm-hmm. like her. But there are scenes that like, it has to be intentional, but like there are personality traits that overlap between the two, even if it is subtle. So, like, for me, the most evident one is, like, right after when Lady Bird has sex with Kyle for the first time, the whole, like, conversation afterwards where she's like, we took each other's virginity. And he's like, no, we didn't. Like, I didn't have sex before. He's being manipulative. And she kind of goes into this very, like, critical, like, neurotic state about what just happened. She's like, I was on top. Like, who the fuck is, like, on top their first time she's like kind of dissecting her first like sexual experience in a way that i feel is very emblematic of how her mom sort of like dissects situations in a very meticulous way and is like Mm -hmm. this is wrong for all these reasons and it's your fault like that's she does have a very particular way of arguing with people yeah and that's exactly how her mom like approaches those types of situations so i felt like that has to be this intentional thing where like Lady Bird actually has these very specific expectations of herself and her life and what it's supposed to be. And that's like exactly how her mom is, like has very specific goals and expectations for how life is supposed to be. And when it doesn't go that way, they lash out. Yeah, I buy that. Mm -hmm. She's got a really good line in that scene when Kyle is like telling her to not be upset and then he says something about like you know how many like civilians died in the Iraqi war <laughs> and Lady Bird says 
other things can be sad. It's not just war. Yeah. <laughs> and that is like her being her mother back to this kid. And it's like, yeah, the same dynamic of like the, she's thinking this kid is so stupid. Like, how could you not understand this? And that's the same way her mom treats her. Yeah. Kyle is like so dramatic in like all of his yeah. scenes and like oh. Lady Bird doesn't in, in a lot of her interactions with him just doesn't quite get it. Like, why are you being like so like ridiculous and melancholy? And I think that that is a similar perspective that Lady Bird's mom takes with her. It's also completely analogous to the scene earlier that we were discussing when the mom goes to pick the fight with Lady Bird. Mm hmm. And, and the mom says, like, well, my mother was an abusive alcoholic. Therefore, the way I'm treating you is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And you could just imagine Lady Bird in that moment saying, like, well, just because that happened doesn't mean what you're doing to me is right. Like, compared, like you can't, like, approach this as a relativist uh-huh. and say because of yeah. X, then A. So yeah. she's consistent in that way between those two scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Raul was saying in that same scene, not from the perspective of like how Ladybird is acting, but Kyle's line. Well, I don't remember what he, what he, what does he say? Yeah, Kyle's really funny in that scene. Like when Ladybird accuses him of lying about being a virgin, he just says like, "I haven't lied in two years." I hate that. Ugh. You must be. You must. Be, you must have misunderstood me, or you <laughs> must have like made an assumption. Man, fuck that guy. Oh my god. That's such a like a dick thing to to say. I haven't lied in two years. That you're so, like, morally righteous that you keep track of it like that. Yeah. I get a similar vibe from when the popular girl that she befriends, like, the slutty one. Wait, I would I would say, don't say slutty. She's had a, the same boyfriend the whole time. I don't know. I'm just saying slutty because, like, the movie, like, portrays her as, like, okay, this is the, the slutty girl. The one who girl. portrays her as sexy. Yes. Like, when she realizes that the house, like, the big house isn't Lady Bird's and she ends up at her actual house... And she's like, uh, you're a liar. Like, I hate dishonesty. I hate <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then, and then she goes on to say, like, I, wouldn't need, I can't even begin to understand why someone would lie about that. And it's like, that's because you're fucking rich. Like, yeah. you mm-hmm. don't get it. Was that before prom? Yeah. Did they make up between that and prom? No. Yeah. Well, kind of. I mean, like, the last part of that scene is, like, Lady Bird feeling very ashamed of herself and she was like i wish that that was my house and like i don't know if she explicitly says i'm sorry but like i do remember whatever her name is this the slutty girl <laughs> but i do remember her saying you beat that out grace yeah you're not allowed to call her slutty anymore but i don't think they uh i don't think they reconciled after that scene well, the last thing she does is she just like very passively takes her phone out to like ignore ladybird well she says like apology accepted like very yeah she she well she she says like apology accepted i guess uh-huh. and then whips out her phone okay. and then just detaches got it and then, and then lady bird's like are we still friends and she's like as long as you're kyle's girlfriend i guess yeah mm-hmm. and then i think was she in the in the back seat at the prom scene i think yeah. like the very next scene that they're both in they don't talk and, and then she ditches them the yeah. whole like you're too cool for prom thing i don't get at all it's like who does No, that's one hundred percent like a thing in high school. Like who doesn't want to go to prom? Like that's a state like a, a like a milestone of like your high school career. It's like you guys just want to not go to graduation. It's like fuck those guys. Did you guys listen to that This American Life they put out a few weeks ago? Yeah, the, about prom. The Kansas prom. Mm-hmm. 
That was so good. That, that made really me like a Kansas uh, prom. Made me really nostalgic. What are you guys talking about? There was a town. What was? Do you know? Do you remember the city's name or the town? No, name? but it's like South either. Mid Kansas, kind yeah. of like the liberal area. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was. They were at prom. A tornado was hitting their town. They all had to go in the basement. And when they came back up from the basement, the school was fine, but like the entire town was destroyed. Whoa. Okay. Okay. I really want to talk about the dynamic of the friend Julie who is in love with the teacher who has a pregnant wife. She, he has a pregnant wife. Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain that? Cause at the end, like uh, when she's really upset about it, it had something to do with the wife character that got introduced, but I didn't really catch oh, what I don't, was the deal. I don't Maybe, maybe like she had the baby or something. Yeah. I don't remember. Cause remember the scene where both uh, lady bird and her friend were crying on top of the car in the car. Yes. On the hood of the car? On the hood. Yeah, in the car. Is it hood or in the car? I think they're in the car. I hope we're thinking about the same scene, but it's like right after some scene where... Right after Lady Bird's boyfriend, they discover that Lady Bird's boyfriend's gay. That's right. And then that she had just spoken with the teacher and the wife was there that upset her for some reason. Mm-hmm. Is it because he found out the wife was pregnant? I think, yeah, I think she might have like found out the wife was pregnant that night and... Okay. She's like just enthralled with this teacher to the point where she has it in her head that like they could get together at some point. Uh, like okay. it's possible. I miss a pregnancy part. I thought she was just upset because like she found out that he had a wife or he she knew, but she's upset that she saw the wife or something. No, I think it was. That's I think, what, that's I think what there's I a line thinking. where he says something about like them expecting. That makes much more sense. No, but she had some real chemistry with that teacher. And I was I was rooting for them. Oh, my God. In class, he's like. So he's like trying to explain some sort of like expo exponents or something like that uh-huh. and they're sitting in class and he's like can i get some like confirmations some head <laughs> nods whatever and so they're nodding and then he goes and maybe even verbal and she immediately goes yes <laughs> yes like in a very like sexual way <laughs> yes and then when she and then that scene where the professor will let them give themselves their own grade yeah like tell me your grade honor system mm-hmm and she like lowballs hers and he catches it and gives her like a and he's like pretty sure i know talent when i see it and she's like haha you're welcome <laughs> like what <laughs> yeah i remember that almost like she lowered her grade on purpose just to get some attention yes or did he bump her grade up just because he likes her mm-hmm. no i think she's actually good because at, at the beginning you see like their grades on the test that they get yeah and she's like an A plus and Lady Bird's like okay. a low C or something like that. Wow. I mean, you guys are talking a lot about this as like a funny thing, but like what's the appropriate le- appropriateness level of this? Like t- this student cannot c- cannot be hot for this uh, for this teacher. I was trying to come off more sarcastic than I did. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, dude, they should definitely get it on. They should date. Well, I think it's funny because it doesn't. Like, it seems like he's drawn very good boundaries in their relationship. I think, yeah, yeah. Like, he's, he's being nice. He's being nice. He's, like, not necessarily, like, entertaining anything, but, like, he's being kind to his student mm-hmm. and, like, is very much, like, making it aware that he has a wife and it doesn't stop this girl at all. Like, she's just obsessed with him. Mm-hmm. I guess kids have crushes on their teachers all the time, right? Oh, yeah. That is true. That is very true. Anyways, the... The crush that this girl has on her teacher is really funny to watch. It's very it's very endearing. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like super cute. 
Mm-hmm. I have a another funny scene that's related to the friend. Okay. Just like a couple of times in the movie, the scene will open with them just like finishing up a conversation. And we just hear like some of the stuff they say out of context. But like one of the times the, the scene opens and Lady Bird just says like, no, it's actually totally normal not to touch the penis. And then they move on to the next subject. What scene is this? No, no, they're they're talking about Lady Bird's boyfriend who has told her that like he respects her too much to touch her boobs, which then uh-huh. implies that they like haven't done anything sexually. And so like then her next conversation with her best friend is her being like, "Yeah, it's actually really like oh, totally fine if you don't touch his dick." It's totally normal not totally to touch normal. the penis. Right. Which is such a funny statement to say. <laughs> yeah. Out loud out of context. There's like a a part where she's talking to her first boyfriend where like they're like stargazing or something mm-hmm. and they he says uh-huh. this like really cringy thing where he's like I respect you so much. <laughs> she's like cool. Yeah. Yeah, cool. that's what that's what I'm talking okay. about. When I when I say the scene when her boyfriend yeah. wouldn't touch her boobs. We haven't talked about that guy at all. Oh my gosh. What a what a poor kid. Very interesting character. Total like uh dweeb until you find out that he's gay and then you feel really sorry for him basically yeah his whole like breakdown where he like is discovered by ladybird and then they have like a discussion about it like in that alleyway later and he starts crying mm-hmm. i'm like man that feels so real and it's very sad it does yeah it feels very real and then to you like the viewer it sort of seems like ladybird and her best friend are the only ones who know other than the guy that like he hooks up with like mm. definitely not public information closely, yeah like such a closely held secret that it's like he couldn't believe someone else found out yeah and they made it clear that his family is like very conservative yeah ronald reagan posters and all yeah oh my god and ladybird's like is this a joke and he's like no it's so funny watching it like a second time after you know he's gay because it's just like the stuff he says you just like try to read into it yeah. Like he says he loves Disneyland. I'm like, do you for the right reason? <laughs> and I don't even know what I meant by that. <laughs> well, I feel bad for him because he's clearly like, I brought this up last night where he's definitely like making moves towards Lady Bird. It's not all like yeah. Lady Bird's advances. Yeah. He's definitely like heavily participating in that relationship. And I feel bad for him because for me, that is just like a marker that he's like s- super struggling with his sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that makes, when when you know that about that character, when you see those scenes, you just, I think, interpret him as a much more, like, conflicted and, like, tortured character than he comes off mm-hmm. in, in any other scene. Yeah. They don't give us a lot to work from, but I can't tell if, like, I can't tell his mental state at the beginning, because he definitely does, like, do a lot of things that would make you think he's heterosexual. Mm-hmm. I don't know if after only after starting the date that did he start experimenting around. I think the I interesting there, interesting thing there is that like at least how I interpreted it was that he's trying to like he's trying to like justify. He's like, "Well, you know, it's okay if you don't like have feelings for a girl, just like start dating a girl and then you'll probably have feelings for her." Mm. Or like then you'll start to like sexually like desire her. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, "Oh, it's not happening." Cuz remember when he sense. talks to Lady Bird, he's like when he like confronts her like in the alley, he's like, "I'm so ashamed of it it's not even like please don't tell anybody it's like i feel so bad for even like being gay is essentially what he's saying 
so he's been thinking about it for a yeah. while. This yeah. is something that has been with him. Right. Yeah. And that's like the saddest thing that that character says, I think, where he's like, I'm so ashamed of it, where it's mm-hmm. just, he clearly like has, like is a homosexual or at the very least like bisexual, but does not feel like he lives in a, in an environment where that can work. And he's like constantly yeah. like fighting it. Yeah. And then he kind of disappears for the rest of the movie. Yeah. What do you think of that? Does. Not really. Don't really dwell on it very much. He does disappear. I mean, he's like featured whenever the best friend is featured. Like it shows them at like the musical auditions again when Lady oh, Bird doesn't it? go. Yeah, he sits next to like the best friend. Oh, okay. It's it's made clear after that like makeup in the alleyway that like they're not best friends. They don't hang out all the time, but they are on good terms. Got it. Mm. Okay. He was definitely, like, a super stand-up guy. Yeah. And, like, it would make sense that if any, like, friendship survived out of this whole series of events, that would be one of them. Yeah. It does seem like that. Well, and he's the one who, at the end, spills the beans about her wait list. Ah, yeah. Yeah, he's the one who sees them in that restaurant. But I think, like, him even knowing that she's waitlisted, like, is an indication that they are... Like, they maintain friendship enough that he's, like, updated on her life. Yeah, that's the impression I got, too. But what do you think of the fact that, like, the way the movie's structured is kind of different. I feel like if it was a more normal movie, uh, maybe directed by a man, that the relationships would, like, take up most of the movie. Like, the movie wouldn't even be about the mother-daughter relationship. They -hmm. still have romantic interests, but they come and go, come and go, and then it's back to, like, the core of the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the movie starts and finishes with mother daughter troubles, yeah, and is and, and the boys are only the chapters. I, I find that as like a very like mature marker of a script, because I think that like yeah. it's very reflective of life, where it's like yeah the, I, th- I think in other kind of like teen romance movies it's like yeah it's all about like the overwhelming emotion that you feel for like your first like high school love and like how consuming that is and that's uh the main plot point in a lot of those movies but this is uh reflective of reality in that like yeah those things come and go and like the real constant thing in your in everyone's real life who has anything similar to ladybird is like the relationship with your parents and how that develops over time yeah Mm -hmm. i think mature is the right word like teen love is such a like throwawayable thing like in the real world and like you only realize that when you're not a teen anymore (laughs) And you actually like have mm-hmm. have relationships with your parents. Well, and the interesting thing I think about these things is that Ladybird remains like relatively unaffected by them. Yeah. Like they are significant enough to where they make the story and they change her a little bit, but it's not like you see her heartbroken for months and months after her first boyfriend is gay or after she loses her virginity and it's like not as special as she thought it would be. Yeah. Like, they, it shows her being sad for, like, a day, and then yeah. she moves on. And I think that's also, like, an important feature of, like, high school romance, where, like, you feel it really intensely, and then when it's over, you're sad, and then it's, like, three days later, you're fine. Like, yeah. it wasn't, like, this, it's not this, like, deep tragedy that, like, you're entrenched with for months. It's sort of, like, I cried over him, and then now I like another boy, so it's yeah. fine. The emotional peaks and valleys of, like, younger people are accelerated, like tenfold versus like when you're older just you can go through all of these like emotional states like in a month that would take like (laughs) an an adult like an equivalent like 10 years 
I have uh, it playing just in the background. It's it's a scene where they're looking up at the stars and they're like screaming into the stars. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think even if even when looking at like the dynamic of these two different relationships, like it's very noticeable that like the relationship she has with a guy who's gay is like the much more intimate relationship and like even more passionate in certain ways like he definitely cares yeah. for her to a certain extent um, even if it's not romantically whereas you go to like her and Kyle's relationship and he's like so fucking cold doesn't ever give a shit that she's there is sort of just like uninterested by her and that is like it's an interesting comparison yeah what a dick yeah and she definitely shrugged that one off much faster than the first one yeah so it already showed a little bit of that maturation right and it's not necessarily even that she's sad about him she's sad about like the first time that she had sex yeah mm-hmm. yeah which is just to say uh the reason i brought it up is that i think it's a good thing that this movie didn't end on the relationship with the boy love interests yeah and i think it's just like such a stronger movie because of it mm-hmm. agreed a real a real feminist icon yeah i think that's probably deliberate yeah. on their part i'm sure kind of trying to subvert kind of the the normal types of stories that they tell in like rom romantic yeah. movies mm-hmm. and i think it's so interesting that I th- the reason she's able to do that is because of her like indie sensibilities mm-hmm. indie films had already been doing like subverting the traditional kind of uh, relationships they show on screen for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's very timely that those sensibilities caught up with kind of this last feminist wave we've been having, and they just like mix together really well. Yeah. One of the things that really excited me about her is just how much how how mainstream like indie went with her, and like I enjoyed that. But then also that thing. I this just is said. like uh, kind of a question that hark- harkens back to like what we were talking about earlier on, where this movie has a much more mainstream appeal like it has like a lot more funny moments and like a lot of characters that are very over the top especially when compared to greenberg but it seems like it's it almost like snuck like into the mainstream under the guise of being this i i think i used this word earlier and i think i'm stealing it from that essay guy but like a dramatic comedy like it it kind of uh-huh. like isn't is a very realistic telling of a high school story like you would get in an indie movie, but has just enough of like the regular comedy ingredients for it to like be accepted by the mainstream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. Just the fact that this movie is so popular is interesting in itself. Yeah. yeah. To unpack. And especially with like the Oscar she just got. I mean, the only reason I knew about it was because the theater that was near my dorm was playing it which was like a sort of a smaller theater like it wasn't an amc or anything like that and i have no idea if it was playing at amcs but it's interesting that like i mean i stumbled upon it because the the movie theater that was close to me just had more indie movies but i don't even know like was it shown at like regular blockbuster movie theaters i think so was it are we overestimating its popularity i I feel like it's it's, no, a, it's it, on Netflix now, and so I think... I feel huh. like I've been pretty aware of this movie for a while. And definitely, like, when it got... I think any time that something gets a sufficient amount of, like, Oscar buzz, that, like, 
that is a certain channel of mainstreamness. So I think yeah. whenever you pass that threshold, I I just like give it a lot of credit for everybody's seen is and is aware of this movie and has been. Okay, it's its budget was 10 million and the box office opening weekend it made 79. It was million. 10 million the budget? Yeah. I have yeah. no conception of that's like a lot or so little. small. It's a very very that's small budget. Yeah. Yeah. That's like you give every main actor a million dollars and you're done. <laughs> well, and it, it didn't make that much either. It only made 79 million. Still though. Is that good? Yeah. It's a pretty huge margin. I mean, yeah, the profit margin was really good. I'll say this, that I don't really understand quite how, like, when a movie makes money, like, I don't really know what, how the the margin is distributed. But I do, if you look at it this way, like, when a movie is made, like, everybody's paid up front. Like, all cast and crew are, like, paid for their time in this movie. And anything, like, so once the movie comes out, if you're, like, an actor or a cast and crew member, like, you just, it's fine. Like, you've been paid you don't really care about the success of the movie. But I think once that movie does start making money, I don't really know if like actors get more money or if like it all goes to the studio or if it all goes to the filmmaker or if it's, if a little bit is distributed in every direction, I'm just not sure. Yeah. I just know that like, it's a big deal if a movie has like huge margins because everybody's already been paid for their time. So it's just like extra money at that point. Money man, got to get paid. What do you guys got as far as uh, final thoughts on Lady Bird? Um, we haven't talked about the name at all. Like how she Her calls name. herself Lady Bird. Uh, it's, just like, it's like a kind of name a hippie would give yourself, right? That's what makes me think of. It kind of sounds like a dog name to me. You know what? It's a dog name from uh, King of the Hill. Lady Bird. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. Well, I think it's like a specifically interesting topic because even like the fact that she's naming herself ties back into the relationship that she has with her mother because like choosing to name yourself something different than what your parents named you is like a direct slight to your parents. Oh yeah, that's a big, big fuck you. In this uh, situation. So I think that it's like, it's a very interesting premise that you start out the movie with. Like, the very first car scene, you have her arguing about her mom's calling her Christine, and she's like, no, you said you would call me Ladybird. Mm-hmm. And, like, it just very quickly, like, sets the tone for, like, not only, like, how the mother is critiquing Ladybird, but the ways that Ladybird has hurt her mother, like, unintentionally in the way that, like, 16-year-olds do. Do you, do you guys or, like, do you know anyone who has something like that? Like, a name that they just gave themselves? Like, I've had nicknames, no. like, in high school, but, like, I've never been like, this is my name. Call me this now. Yeah. I think, it like, it's more than just a n- nickname for uh-huh. sure. It's, like, a very deliberate sort of renaming. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I've never even, like, I don't know if I've ever even known someone like that who insisted on being called something else. Uh, no. I mean, I, I knew, I, like, I know a couple of kids who did, but it wasn't, like, a name that they made up for themselves. It was, like, their middle name or something. Like, their parents called them by their first name, but, like, they preferred if, like, their friends called them by their middle name or something like that. Mm-hmm. What would be the name to give yourself if you could rename yourself right now? Topaz Tornado. <laughs> Topaz Tornado Maori. I don't know. I want a good hippie name. Yeah, what's yours, Raul? 
or like a Native American kind of name. I, I would like that. This cool cartoon that I watched when I was a kid called Max Steel, spelled like how it sound, how it sounds. Max Steel. <laughs> I always thought that was a cool name. Mary. Nah, just Max Steel. I love this movie. It's very near and dear to my heart because of how closely ident- I identified with Lady Bird when I first watched it, and now how I like I don't directly identify with her anymore. I'm more so like am observing the relationship, and I really enjoy how it portrays like f- familial relationships and like how you're both just like trying to love each other and it's not working. Like it's not. They're not receiving the love in the way that you want them to and like wanting a certain amount of like autonomy and space from your family and feeling desperate to get that. So I love that movie or this movie for all of those reasons. And I think Greta Gerwig is a fantastic director and I've loved everything I've seen from her so far and I can't wait to see more. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Um, So my thoughts on Lady Bird is that I really like this movie. It was cool. I feel like extra cool that like I saw Greta Gerwig a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I like that interview where Greta Gerwig gives her like thoughts on like what makes an indie filmmaker from last week's pre-show. I don't know about that, but the things that make an indie fan are that they were there before it was cool. <laughs> and so I've earned a badge today. Congratulations. Everybody should know Thank Raul, you, Grace. how cool Thank you. Raul is. Let it be yeah. known. Raul is the coolest guy. I'm a level seven yeah. hamster. <laughs> Maxed out. So th- so that's my final thoughts. <laughs> my final thoughts on Lady Bird is I also really enjoy it. I think that this time more than any other time, I mean, I've only ever seen it once, but I think I was able to sink <laughs> my teeth into like the adult characters a lot more than I was the first time I saw it. Because I think the first time I saw it, it was more of just like a teen angst movie. Like, look how mean this mom is and look how, like, outgoing and, like, creative and, like, aspirational Lady Bird is, which is not an uncommon dynamic in movies. And I think I just absorbed it surface level as that the first time I saw it. And now I was able to just, like, uh, get a little bit deeper and, like, oh, every single character in this movie, aside from, like, the cartoony ones that we've discussed, has, like, real-world motivations and reasons for being on screen um, in ways that I can empathize with almost all of them. So, and, and hearkening back to what I said about how it has just enough of that like silliness to make it into the mainstream, I think it's this like, incredibly strong movie that has a lot of like real character, human things to say about everyone in it, but also is just approachable and digestible enough for like anybody who likes movies to get into and it's not it's not hidden behind this like wall of indie movie like something like greenberg is not even slightly inaccessible Mm -hmm. final ratings i'm gonna give this movie uh nine out of ten clove cigarettes oh yeah oh we didn't talk about that scene at all like when he's like i only smoke uh hand rolled (laughs) cigarettes and i'm like we know a person like this we do know a person like that wow Okay, I will, I will give this movie because our ratings are never exciting, and I and I you know that's something we can be better at mm-hmm. in the future. Stop giving out so many like seven eights and nines. I'm gonna give this movie a ten out of ten. 
I'm going to stir Eric things Andre up. Clap. It deserves mm-hmm. it. 10 out of 10 what? Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> you forgot the main mechanic of the, <laughs> the rating. <laughs> the rating is just a vehicle for the right. puns, not right. the other way around. Yeah. Except in this instance, <laughs> which is good. I'll give this movie 10 stolen grade books out of 10. Nice. Mm. That was the one that I had in my head originally, and then I decided to dig a little deeper. Did you really have stolen grade books in your head? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Really? Wow. I did. I will give this movie 10 out of 10 quirky golf embroidered pillows. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even understand that pun. <laughs> what did they say? Like, uh, there aren't, there, I'm not something a about diet. They're, they're not vegetarian. They just exist on greens. Is that what it said? Yeah, golfers aren't vegetarian. They just exist on green. Okay, like vegetable, like um, green. Like golf course, golf course greens. Yeah, golf, golf course, course green greens, like vegetable salads. greens. Yeah. She's just like, I just couldn't not get this. She's it's like, so it good. just makes me laugh. <laughs> it's like very live, laugh, love energy. Thanks for listening this week. Our music is by Double U. Look them up on Instagram at at underscore double and two U's. Editing this week, done by Grace. How are you doing the editing? Yep. Grace Fawcett. Thank you, Grace. Thanks, Grace. Connect with us at at FilmholePod on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again. See you next week. See you next week. See you next week. Special thanks this week to Savannah Smith and Christopher Maddie and also Stacy. And thanks to Brady Goodman for hosting our shit. Also, special thanks to Jessica Geiger and Kale. Wait, what's Kale's last name? 